Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast here with uh, the Sports Digita series. Really looking forward to chatting with Tom Bowden, uh, VP of Business Development for Sports Digita, as, long, as well as Matt Stepness, the tournament director of the Ally Challenge presented by McLaren on the PGA Tour Champions. Matt made sure I got that presented by in there. I know that's important. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I want to kind of... Uh, kick off this this episode with like guys we're almost in 2022 it's pretty crazy um i remember and i feel like yesterday we were saying oh my gosh it's you know 2020 is finally over like everybody's looking forward to 21 and now it's you know we're in the same position but you just blinked and so as you think about how business has evolved and people are adjusting people are changing to the times as you look at at next year going forward um, Matt and Tom, kind of what's you, the one thing that you're going to be looking for uh, going forward and, and how are you making adjustments, not only on the professional side, but maybe even the personal side. Um, but but Matt, I want to start off with your journey into golf, because I think it's important for people to understand that you were at the PJ Tour for seven plus years, you got out of golf, kind of went to the team side in a couple different areas, even Learfield, and then are back in golf. And so just kind of the journey that you've taken and what you've learned along the way. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I actually had my first golf position, you know, prior to the tour. So just a kind of a quick snapshot with me. I was born and raised in Richfield, Minnesota, um, you know, graduated from the University of Minnesota and had never really seen anything out, outside of the that area. Um, and uh, had an opportunity, you know, I was in one of the early sports management programs at, at the University of Minnesota. Um, I, I think we all know that almost every, or if not every college has one these days, but um, I had to do an internship. So I finished my coursework in, uh, in the winter, or, or I should say spring of 96. And I had to do this internship for, for 12 credits to, you know, to get my degree and um, just had really, really fortunate timing. I always wanted to kind of see something outside of of the Minneapolis and Minnesota area and had relatives on the West coast growing up. So my, you know, really good friend of mine, Craig Johnson, who's, um, was, uh, drafted by the St. Louis blues. And at the same time, basically I, I finished my coursework. He was traded to the Kings, uh, for, for Wayne Gretzky, believe it or not. And, uh, a, a few other players, but he, it's still kind of cool to be able to tell your grandkids you were, you know, traded for, for one of the greatest athletes of all time. So anyway, I uh, called Craig. I said, you mind if, uh, you, can you call the front office and ask them if I can do an internship? And, and can you also put me up with a place to live? And he said, yeah, done and done. And so literally like three days later, I packed up my Honda CRX and drove to, to LA and, um, you know, spent a season with the Kings. I started in public relations. I ended in the, on the sponsorship side of things. I did everything from, uh, getting coffee and uh, taking care of our radio partners to, to literally pushing the red light uh, for the sirens when, when a goal was scored. Um, so it was, it was a fun season. And um, after that, you know, I had to find something full time and um, you know, I had an option to go into ticket sales, which, which I was, would have been a great, great option with, with the Kings at the time. But um, my first opportunity in golf just kind of presented itself. And that was to be the, uh, sales and marketing manager for the, uh, it was called the Nissan Open at the time. It's called the Genesis, uh, Genesis Open, I believe now at, at Riviera Country Club. And um, it was an, an amazing opportunity because I, 
not only got into the world of golf, but at the time it was just myself and the tournament director were the only two full-time people. So I, you know, the focus was on sales, but I got to do marketing. I got to do advertising, volunteer coordination, vendor, um, you know, kind of dipped my toe in a lot of different areas. And I'm absolutely fell, you know, I've always been a passionate golf fan um, as, as well as hockey, but um, fell in love with the business side of golf. And uh Spent three years uh, at the tournament there. And, you know, and I, I kind of moved around a bit after that. Um, you know, spent I, some time on the team side of things. I like to say, I've, you know, I've basically worked in every <clears throat> main professional sport except except the NFL. Um, you know, I've corporate sales on the, uh, the, the corporate and premium sales on the team side of things. And, um, you know, had an opportunity to get back into golf, as you mentioned at the start here, Jake, with, uh, with the PGA Tour. Um, so that was uh, 2005 when I, when I ended up back with the tour, um, spent seven and a half years at, at, um, at the headquarters down in, in, in Ponte Vedra Beach. I worked in, our new, in the new media group down there and my, um, you know, my main focus there was I managed our partnership with uh, EA Sports and the Tiger Woods, uh, the PGA Tour Tiger Woods video game. So that was, you know, had a great run down there and, uh, um, you know, seven, eight years in, in, in Ponte Vedra. And then I've been up in Michigan here for about nine, spent some time on the team side. And, uh, you know, I always, in, in the back of my mind, I, I knew I, I would love to get back into golf and, and hopefully end my career there, frankly. And, and up until three or four years ago, you know, I, I just, I thought I'd, you know, if I was fortunate enough to maybe make it back down to Florida with the tour or find a tournament, because at the time, you know, there was an LPGA event or two here in, in Michigan, but, um, you know, fate would have it that uh, not, not only the, you know, the, the PJ Tour champions, the Allied Challenge presented by McLaren, you know, came about in 2018, but the year later we had the, the regular PJ Tour. And so, um, you know, it was just fortunate to have a, a chance to, to get back into golf and, and stay in the great state of Michigan. How do you keep your eye on things, even though you're focused again on the day-to-day, -day, you're in the present, you know, at that point, right, you're working for a team and like, you know, in the back of your mind, hey, I might get back into golf at one point or, or another, but you don't know when and you don't know where, um, you know, what's the mindset that you have to have of knowing that like an opportunity might come down the road, but you, you are focused on that day in, day out process that you're in. And, and then Tom, will get to you. Yeah, no, I think the mindset is just, I, I've, you know, whether it was growing up playing athletics, which, which I did, you know, all my childhood and, and into high school and even, even into adulthood, um, you know, just in men's leagues and so forth. And I'm, I'm a really competitive individual and I, I, you know, have always been basically in, in a sales role or a revenue generating role. And so, you know, I think to answer your question to you, just, you, you, you got to perform every day when you're in one of those roles or it's, it's, uh, your, your superiors or your coworkers are going to find out in a hurry. Um, so, you know, it, you just got to stay focused and, and, and that competitive side, I think is always driving, driven, driving you to make more sales and, and make more connections. And, uh, you know, while, while you still can have a, uh, you know, a future goal, I think of a, a certain industry or sport you'd like to end up in. Tom, as you're, as you're talking with different clients, different leagues, teams, so on that you're working with and working across, what's the thing that they're paying attention to for this next year upcoming? And, um, you know, any thoughts for Matt on the golf side? Yeah. Well, first, I think as we talk across teams and leagues, et cetera, one of the things that, that I'm hearing pretty consistently is, is a focus on talent and getting the right talent 
in-house and, and getting the right staff in place uh, to ensure success, right? And I, I think what we've seen in this kind of dovetails into today's conversation with Matt, like what we've seen is a significant evolution in consumer behavior on particularly the ticketing and hospitality side of things. And how do we have the right staff structure in place to support us to be set up for success, right? And this evolution of uh, how the ticketing and hospitality industry continues forward. And, you know, I think as we look at whether it's, it's golf ticketing hospitality or certainly on, on the team side of things, ticketing hospitality, uh, you know, I think the days of, you know, really, um, really having an idea of this, this kind of tight band of sales, understanding that like there's kind of a floor and a, and a ceiling um, has kind of dissipated, right? I think where we're going is more extreme, uh, more extremism, right? Polar opposites as far as the, the tougher games are going to be tougher and the good games are going to be greater, right? And I, I think that's because the consumer behavior has shifted in the last, you know, roughly two years at this point. And, you know, I think what's interesting and the opportunity for Matt and the folks in the golf community is you're kind of playing with a different set of rules, right? You have a large landscape to spread people out over, uh, obviously a number of days that you're running an event over. Uh, so how can they be innovative and drive new consumer behavior, new consumer products that can set them apart and, and kind of be pioneers in that space? Yeah, the consumer behavior component that you're talking about is interesting. I do want to get to that staffing component because Matt, the, you know, from a golf perspective, like I don't think people really understand how a golf uh, tournament is structured in terms of the staff and, and because there are so many volunteers that get things done, but there's a lot of behind the scenes. It's actually a lot smaller of a team than probably a lot of people think. So can you just provide some insight uh, to those on kind of how a golf staff is structured and maybe how it's even evolved over the years too. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to. And I'll, you know, the examples I'll give are, or naturally be focused on HNS sports group, who's my current employer. And um, so I'll give you, you know, I'll tell you how we're structured here. So we're HNS has been uh, managing the Memorial tournament in, in, in Mirfield um, for close to 25 years. And so that's kind of how our company was started. We've evolved since then to, to manage, you know, other events from, from top to bottom. And when I say that, I say, I mean, sales, marketing, volunteers, um, you know, everything as we do it with the Ally Challenge presented by McLaren here. And then there's a lot of other events where we're, we're kind of just behind the scenes um, and we being HNS sports group and, and we're running the operations for both events at Pebble Beach. For the Zurich Classic, we were in Mayakoba uh, last week with the PGA Tour. But um, so we, you know, I'll say we're 35 to 40 full-time folks, somewhere, somewhere right in that neighborhood. There's only three of us in Michigan on a full, full year basis, you know, myself, our tournament coordinator and our sales director. Um, so the majority of the folks based out of Ohio um, are touching multiple events and, and some of them, lots of them, you know, like our our marketing and social media team is, is, is working on, you know, multiple events and, and consistently 12 months a year where the focus, um, you know, with myself and, and, and our local team here in Michigan is, is uh, I'll call it about 98%, you know, ally challenge. We'll, we'll pitch in and help when, when needed at some other events, but uh, that's kind of how we're structured. So, uh, you know, in the, on the operation side of things, it's, it's real similar to the, the marketing side um, where, you know, these guys are, we've got a, we've got a lead operations person who will spends, you know, 
months here every year, but it's not home base because um, this individual needs to, you know, help out and assist at, at other events. So it's, I think it's a really efficient model. And, and you know, we, uh, at the end of the day, I guess you could call us an agency, but, you know, we, all we do is golf. All we claim to do is golf. And, and I, I think we're pretty decent at it because of that. There's some agencies out there who kind of claim to do a lot of different things, which, which, you know, works for them as well. But, um, um, that's kind of how, you know, the, the, the structure works, uh, with, with us anyway. And, um, on the, on the golf side of things, it's kind of like, you know, back to your time at Learfield, my time at Learfield, it's kind of like a mini Learfield, right. Where you've got, you know, you've got a team in place and then they're kind of spread out across, you've got your small properties, right. Like in a sense, and, and everyone kind of helps each other. Um, you know, Tom, to the staffing point you made earlier, I think it's interesting to just provide some perspective of like, Matt's got three people in place, but maybe that's all he does need, but he's got three really good people, what they do, uh, including himself, of course. But, you know, I think um, as you're looking at teams and how they're adapting their ticketing hospitality, as you were mentioning, as, you know, maybe things are going a little bit more on the AI and, you know, digital transaction front and whatnot, um, what, what shifts are you seeing in terms of trying to, to structure differently? Yeah, so I think a couple parts to that, Jake. One, I, I think it's um, reimagining how our staffs are built. You know, I, when I was in Brooklyn at the Nets, I, I think our ticket sales staff was roughly 60 some odd people in total, uh, you know, and, and they're doing all the outbound reach that, that, that you can do, right? And I think that has been a pretty traditional model, particularly on the team side for, for years to have a staff of some sort of size doing outreach. Where we are going as a society is as frictionless of a buying process as possible, right? And I think people are getting more and more comfortable with not just buying hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of stuff uh, with a no touch kind of uh, buying process. But I think we're in a place where people are willing to buy cars, willing to you know spend tens, maybe hundreds. I mean, heck, I, I bought my house here in Michigan on a iPhone tour. Um, so, or a FaceTime tour, excuse me. So like, you know, I, I think people are getting really comfortable with that. And so from the team perspective, I think you're seeing a shift of resources in staffing to, you know, whether that's analytics, whether that's a true marketing ops department, um, but how do we create a less touch type of path for consumers? And, and I think that's at you know, I, I, obviously I, I've keyed in on the ticketing and the hospitality side, but I also think Jake to, to your current role, I think on the sponsorship side of things, right? I think it's how do we get people as much information as possible before they really need, you know, have that education process before they really need to engage. And I think that's what, where buying behavior is going. I think as a seller, you know, of course we want to control the process, control the message, control the communication. Um, but I, I don't think that's where the buyer is going. And so how are we thinking about and imagining our staff in a way that we're meeting the buyer where they want to be met? Matt, any thoughts on that? I think, you know, you're dealing with it on a day-to-day -day basis as you talk to buyers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, I, I just keep going back to, and it, 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 you know, it fits this call perfectly, but just technology in general, I mean, golf's no different than, than all sports these days and, and the evolution of things, not only coming out of the pandemic, but just 
you know, just technology in general. And I mean, just some, some examples on our side are, um, you know, we've been working with, with, with Tom's company for, for 12 or 14 months now. And, and traditionally, you know, going back with the HNS for 25 years, it was, it was kind of the PDF PowerPoint. And, 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 and I mean, just that technology alone is really, really kind of, I think, stepped up our sales game. You know, we, we had a partner come on board last year here being in the Motor City that, that makes automated vehicles. And, and they kind of came in and what I'll call a, you know, get your toes wet type of uh, uh, package or assets. And we're talking to them hopefully next year at really enhancing that and in ways we can we can feature automated vehicles, uh, that, you know, integrate them into our golf tournament. Um, we went, you know, dig, all digital ticketing last year uh, for, the, for the very first time. Um, so... You know, just it, technology in general, I think, and, and it, it, as we all know, moves at a really fast pace, but you need to really keep your eye on that. And, um, um, and it's, it's, it's not going anywhere. That's, that's for sure. And so it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. What's, what's the biggest thing, at least in the golf space, as you guys are adapting to, uh, you know, this, this last year, again, moving forward to, um, you know, keeping that community tied to it, right? Of course, that's kind of at the heart of it, but um, making sure that you're being able to innovate. And again, as Tom said, like the the buyer and where people are spending their time and their money is just changing from a consumer behavior perspective. And um, I, I found that really interesting, Tom, when you, when you explain the extremisms, right? It's like people are either going to do one thing or another, or they're not at all. Like, it's just kind of this... Um, there, I feel like there's more of a line in the sand as opposed to the, oh, well, maybe I could go to this. I agree with that 100%, Jake. I, I don't think there's like an on the fence uh, when it comes to attending live events uh, or, or sports anymore, right? I think it's, I need to be there or, meh, I'll wait till I need to be there, right? And so I, I think, and it, you know, it's interesting and, and I'm fortunate to be in a position where I get to talk to a lot of people in a lot of different markets, a lot of different leagues, a lot of different um, entertainment options. And I, I think what I keep hearing is, you know, those top games are, are actually going through the roof beyond, you know, where, where they were. Like, you know, I think about going back to, again to, to my time in Brooklyn, like when we would have the Warriors come in town during their, you know, peak run, like we knew, you know, we're getting three, four X, face value, maybe more for your most premium seats, right? Um, I think they're seeing even higher highs on those sort of games now. And then, you know, uh, you know th those midweek game, you know, let's call it a, a Tuesday night game against a subpar opponent, you know, I think teams are fighting with, hey, I'm going to only have five or 10,000 people in the, in the actually show up for the game, right? Let, let alone who's going to buy tickets, but actually show up for the game. So my, my usual drop rate is 80, 90%. Now it's maybe 60% for those sort of games. Right. And so um, I, I think it's gonna be a really interesting time. I, I think if I was still in that space, I'd really be thinking about how am I, you know, how do I more closely align with evolving my product offering with, the buyer, right? And so we talked about the marketing side of it. I think the other side, or the uh, customer journey and education and marketing side, but it's also about the packaging, right? And I think for so long as an industry, the packages were what they were, right? There's some standard deviations of that, but they were what they were. I think we really need to take a look and evolve our thought and, and you know, look at some other places like CPG and some of these other areas that are really successful at packaging things together to drive consumer behavior. 
Matt, on your end, from the golf perspective, you don't have the opportunity of a great opponent coming in or this or that. You've got four days to make it happen. Um, different approach there? Yeah, a, a little bit. And, and I mean, Jake, you know, from the from your time at the PGA Tour, I mean, it's it's safe to, on the Champions Tour. While we've got some tremendous talent with, you know, guys who turned 50 in the last few years, it's there's not a lot of guys necessarily players that are going to really move the needle. You know, I go back to the days when when Tiger Woods was healthy and, and, and hot. I mean, when he commits to a tournament, you saw a major spike in, in ticket sales. And, and that's obviously a, a extreme example. But it you know, there's, there's other players, I think across the tours that'll move the needle, but you know, maybe, you know, Phil Mickelson would be fantastic uh, for, for if when, uh, we hope he comes to the ally challenge next year, but other than that, there's not a lot of, we're also very fortunate in our tour where most of the guys, most of the names, the Jim Furyk's Ernie Els and, and Darren Clark, they play most weeks. And so it, the, the schedule's not as big as the regular tour. The field's not as big. So a lot of factors there, but I'll just say, you know, I think the message, there's a number of things we need to do to, to keep pushing the needle and making sure we're, we're selling as many tickets as possible and give as, as much money back to charity as possible. It's just, it's really in, enforcing and driving home the community aspect of things. I mean, part of the reason I'm so passionate and love the golf business is that, um, you know, even though HNS Sports Group is, is a for-profit company, every PGA Tour event across all tours are, are the financial side of things. We're, we're a 501c3. The, the, every, the, the dollars are managed through a 501c3 nonprofit entity. So basically what that means is, is, is we give back all, all net proceeds go back into the community. You know, we're, we're getting ready to announce just, just north of 1.3 million from coming to our, our, our event in 2021 here. So I think, you know, there's so many choices from a um, entertainment standpoint these days. And, and Tom just made a fantastic point where I think the, 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 the sports fan in general, to his point, is, is either, you know, still big into live events or, or hey, I, I've got a 65-inch TV and I've got my iPad and my, my phone and I, I'm, I'm going to stay in the comforts of my home and, and, uh, and, and enjoy four or five different games at, at the same time. And so, you know, being in the live event space, we can't, while that's a, absolutely a reality, we can't rest on it because we, we've got to keep figuring out ways to get people to attend our event in person. And so I just really love to reinforce that, that community message that, hey, come on out, enjoy a, a beautiful day outside at a beautiful facility that's hosted, you know, professional golf for 60 years. And you go back to the old Buick Open days at Warwick and, uh, you know, all net proceeds from your um, investment with us are going back into the community to help um, you know, I think we're probably going to touch 40 or 50 different organizations here. And so um, that's a message we really tried to drive home. And then I'll just jump back to the technology thing side as well. And, and, and Tom can speak better to this than me. I'll admit, I'm still kind of learning, but there's these, you know, companies these days that are, that are really focused on, you've got your traditional ticket master who we, who we use our, for our ticketing. And, and I believe the, the PGA tour does for all their events as well, but there's, you know, kind of these, um, technology-based companies that can help you kind of target different groups per se. Say you're interested in, in, in trying to get to, you know, minor, minority-owned businesses or, or um, you know, military-focused businesses, and, and they can help you with your ticketing messages through social media, through their, their technologies. And so it's, it's um, you know, those, those are kind of the things we're, we're kind of just focused on and, um, and, and, you know, continuing to make sure we have as many people attend our event as possible.
Yeah, I think, uh, well, one, Jake, I think no free ads on your, on your uh, podcast, right? So we, we won't give those out, but yeah, Matt's spot on, right? There, there's some vendors out there that can really help create efficiency for you and your go-to-market strategy. Um, but, you know, I, I think one place where Matt and, and Jake, I'd be curious on your thoughts too, but where Matt and the golf world have immense opportunity is, you know, it's really about an experience, right? And I know, Matt, you, you and I, last time we talked, we talked about the concert that you guys brought to the tournament and how you're leveraging that to help drive ticket sales. And so, you know, and particularly with, with the PGA Tour champions, like there's just greater access available than in a lot of sports, right? And so how can you leverage that access? How can you leverage these other experiences to help drive ticket sales, to help make this, as you mentioned, a community event that is celebrated and supported? Yeah, I think I think one of the interesting conversations I've actually had recently in the last couple of weeks with someone in the consulting side of things is, is, you know, she was saying like, look, you have to have options, right? And I think whenever we think of options, you think of like, oh my gosh, all right, who's going to handle all of these options, right? How's it going to get executed? And there's, there's, there's certainly the backend side of it, but the consumer in any other facet of their life has a lot of options, right? So if you're all of a sudden way different than what the consumer is experiencing in their normal life on a major, you know, 99% of the things that they're doing, whether where they can eat, what they can stream, what like, where they can buy a car, where they can buy, right? There's so many different options. Now, you don't want to confuse the consumer, right? So there's there's that part of it of you got to make sure that you're crystal clear on what you're offering, what the packages are, how they're different, what's the value proposition of them, right? But I think the optionality of things is is key. And also, like think about it in a different way. People go to school and they all learn differently. Some learn verbally, some learn by reading, some learn by writing. Um, some hybrid, right? Like I think everybody does things and has a different approach in how they best consume. So from an experience standpoint, you know, you're mentioning the concert, someone might just love the fact that there's a concert with a golf backdrop. They could care less about the golf tournament, but maybe they might just come out for the, the concert itself uh, because they want an outside different experience or they want to you know, maybe their initiative or, or their kind of thing that they're working on is, is, you know, being healthy, healthier for the year. So they're getting their steps in and they just want to go to a golf tournament because they can go walk around at the event. Right. And so what's that experience like? Is it food trucks? Is it this? Is it that? To be able to keep that person engaged because maybe they're really not watching the actual competition. And Matt, you know this, like you've got your core fan, but how do you entertain the rest of the fans that are coming? Because your core fan, yes, it drives your core business, but there's a lot more business to be had on the non-core fan. And so, you know, to Tom's point about extremism, like how do you get that non-core fan out? What is the experience that's going to drive them uh, because they're coming from a different background, demographic, et cetera, a little long-winded, but I think on just the optionality perspective, it's key. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think there's, a, you know, most golf tournaments um, these days are, are kind of creating events around the main event being the golf tournament. And, and I mean, we, we touched on it here. We've, we, we refer to it as the community concert. And so every Saturday evening, right on the driving range at Warwick, you know, we, we host a, uh, 
a concert. And it's a basically, it's a pretty simple model from a ticketing standpoint. You need to buy a ticket to the, to the tournament to come to the concert. You know, whether you're, whether you're that hardcore fan who's, who's out at nine in the morning following all 18 holes of the competition and then going to the concert or you're showing up maybe just for the concert itself. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big piece of it. And it's, it's, it's a, I can say I'm, uh, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty decent. I think at the, at the golf business, I'm still kind of learning the concerts, you know, it's, it's putting on a, a, another major event with, with inside the, the golf tournament. So, um, you need a lot of people and a lot of, uh, support, but it's, it's, it's worth it because people love live music. And I mean, especially coming out of this, this pandemic. So, um, you know, another event that we, we host every year too, and, you know, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking or anything. This is done at other tournaments, but it's a huge piece of our, our, our specific tournament as we call it the celebrity shootout. So we, you know, a Saturday afternoon prior to the concert, um, basically the, the final group. So when, when the final group goes through the, uh, 10th hole, it's a nine hole exhibition. And the last year we had Jack Nicholas, Lee Trevino, uh, Tom Izzo and, and the Red Wings coach, Jeff Blaschel participate in this, um, celebrity shootout. And, and, you know, people are naturally going to be, want to come out and, um, see these, you know, hall of fame coaches and, and golfers. And so, um, you know, 2019, it, it, the, those four I just mentioned are, are sports, uh, naturally sports related, but, um, you know, I think building in some non-sports, you know, entertainers and so forth, we had Kid Rock participate in 2019 and that brought out, you know, especially being him, him being from Detroit and so forth. So it's, it's constantly, I think, evolving and, and figuring out ways, uh, you know, I'll just give you an example. We're, we're looking at doing a charity tennis tournament at our golf tournament this year. I mean, Warwick has, has eight clay, beautiful courts that sit, sit empty all week. And, um, you know, not that I that necessarily we're counting on that to be a giant uh, ticket driver per se, but it's another vehicle, I think, that can create awareness around the tournament that's hopefully going to lead to that. But it, most importantly, at the end of the day, hopefully raise some additional dollars on the, uh, the the charity side of things. So it's it's always thinking about, you know, what type of events can you host um, and 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 what what that's going to create awareness and, and hopefully drive ticket sales and just um, ch charitable dollars. Yeah, tennis and golf have a little bit of a crossover from a fan base perspective too. So you're you're thinking outside the box, but in the right lane, right? So, um, Tom, as we wrap up this episode, you got one word or one phrase that you're thinking about for 2022, and then Matt, you 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 can go second. I'll give you a little bit of a breather. Man, <clears throat> putting me on the spot, going first. Uh, you know, I. I I think for me, 2022 is all about optimism. You know, I, I think Matt touched on it early in the episode of, uh, you know, just kind of particularly as it relates to ticketing and premium space, kind of what 2020 was. 2021 has been a, a bit of a return, but a, a little bit of a stabilizing year, uh, you know. And so, you know, for me, it's about, you know, as we look at 2022, it's about what's possible and what's the opportunity that lies ahead. And you know, I think that ties in with everything we've talked about of, you know, I think folks have used 2021, you know, to stabilize, but also to reconsider, you know, how they're positioned and, you know, product staffing, et cetera. Um, and I think 2022 could be one of the best years uh, in, in the history of live entertainment. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. Matt, closing word. One word, I'm, I'm going communication and um, communication, you know, 
here, here's why you should come back out to live events if you if you have hopefully you already have but here's why you you, you should because because um you know and especially in the golf world we've got we've got six acres of open space out there and um you know you know and i i touched on this earlier but your your, your investments going the, the proceeds are going back to the community community but you know and then also just coming back to the technology side how do you use that as a uh communication vehicle because there's a lot of resources out there that uh if if activated correctly can can really help with that communication message whether it be the charitable message or the, you know a sales message or a marketing message and uh yeah so i'm uh I'm optimistic, just like Tom, because um, you know while we saw a decent return with our, our personal event this year, I, I frankly thought it would be a lot stronger. So I I think it's pretty fair to say, just being transparent here, that there's still some hesitant hesitancy, um, you know, between the the the, the pandemic and, and or coming out of it. I should say, hopefully, we're coming out of it soon and and, and live events and 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 so forth. So it's. Um, I love the optimism from to steal to jump on Tom's, but I, I I'm gonna go with communication as well. I think it's gonna be key. Love it. Well, thanks for your perspectives, insights. Um, really looking forward to 2022, and um, you know appreciate your time on the Life in the Front Office podcast with the Sports Digita series, Tom. Pleasure to have you back on, and Matt, great guest. Uh, looking forward to seeing the event uh, this upcoming year. Awesome. Appreciate it, Jake. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Thanks, Matt. Great